Well, I don't think any world leader in recent history, at least, has demonstrated publicly the kind of humility that Pope Francis has. You know, he, he's chosen in the face of, you could say, centuries of, dare I say, I mean, no offense to those from a Catholic background, but an opulent tradition. <laughs> in the face of that, he's chosen to live differently, to live simply, to live humbly. He, uh, you know, he's well known now for taking the bus instead of, you know, riding in the limo. He chosen to live in the guest cottage versus the, the palace that's available to him. He seems to notice and affirm those around him. Wherever he goes, people that are in the service industry, people who are often unnoticed, he's been seen you know, washing, you know, washing the feet of those who've been disdained. He's touched lepers. He's just, he's really made a mark. Now, this is how he lived before he was the Pope, before all the public eye was on him. But now, he continues to live this way, even when the pressure, and you've got to believe, there's a lot of pressure for him to conform otherwise. As a leader, Francis demonstrates the very heart of Jesus. In his Easter address this last year, uh, Pope Francis talked about the way that the story of Jesus' suffering is the only true way of life. And it demonstrates the only true way of life is humility. And this is what he said in his address. He said, this is God's way, the way of humility. It is the way of Jesus. There is no other. Humility is the way of Jesus, but it's not the way of the world. And let's be honest, it's not my way either. I mean, do you like it? Do you choose it? Because, see, often humility comes after humiliation, Right? And how many of you can remember times when that's been the road to humility for you? I don't choose humility. I kind of want to choose grandeur. I'd like to be raised up a bit, you know, to seek the higher position, the greater influence. And yet, in the life of Jesus, we see humility lived out. And somehow, as we come to understand the humility of this pathway of Jesus, we begin to see that humility leads us toward true life. The good life. This is the good life that we've been talking about this summer in our series on the wisdom of the Proverbs. All summer we've been asking the question, how do we live this good life that God intended for us? That God actually, when He created us, when He, when He called us to follow Him, when He imagined what human life would be like, He had an image in His mind, He had a, a desire and a dream for us, and it was good. Right? Remember when He created the world? Over and over and over again, God said it was what? So-so? It was mediocre at best? It was, ah, oh, shoot, I'll try again next time and hope to get it better? No, He said over and over again that it was good. And at the end he said it was very good. It's a good life. It was God's desire. And so we as, well, some of us as Christians trying to follow Jesus, some of us trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, and maybe we aren't too sure, but we've been hanging around a bit. And and so this summer we've been looking at the wisdom of the Proverbs, this collection of wise sayings, and we've been asking that question, how do we live the good life? Because the Proverbs gives us some incredible advice. You know, deep insight into life. 
Now, some of that at first blush doesn't seem that way. It seems like, uh, I learned that in kindergarten. Yes. But wouldn't the world be a better place if we lived out a lot of what we learned in kindergarten? There's a deep wisdom here that when it's applied to our lives, we realize this can make all the difference. And so we've looked at a few things. Uh, We started off a number of weeks ago. Doris led us through how really there's this theme that goes through the Proverbs that if we want to accomplish, if we want to experience, if we want to be in on the good life that God has for us, we actually have to work hard. This applies to a lot of areas of our life. It applies, of course, to our working life, per se. But it applies to the areas of our life where we want to see goodness come. We want to see a change. We want to see difference. That We actually have to be intentional. We have to be willing to see the long term and to, to work hard toward having a better relationship with our kids or learning that skill or growing in our understanding of Scripture or, 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 or just attaining some level of knowledge or understanding that will lead us forward. We need to work hard. From there, Terry Young led us through a massive theme in Proverbs, one that all of us can put our fingers right on, that if we want to experience the good life that God has for us, we have to say it. It's on the screen. Right? It's on the screen, right? Do I have to look? Watch your words, right? We have to realize the power of our speech, that we have the ability to rip people to shreds. Or conversely, bring life with the power of our words. That's all over the Proverbs. And then last week we explored honesty. That there's a theme about always being honest and seeing how in every area of life, yes, with our speech, but the way that we have integrity with our work, the way that we think about other people. We were challenged to recognize that we have to see people in light of what is the most true thing about them, which is the fact that they are loved by God. And we need to see people through the lens of what is mostly true, most true of them. It's that God has seen them precious and has created them and called them to follow him. Well, today we're looking at humility. If you've you've missed a few of the sessions this summer, because we're all coming and going, they they are online. So if you want to catch up, if you want to listen in, and we're just um, finally figured out how to subscribe through iTunes, so there'll be another way to, to get them as well. That's just coming online. But our question today is, how does humility lead us toward the good life that God has for us? The problems are super clear all the way through that humility leads to this good life. But pride, arrogance, a proud heart or haughty eyes leads actually in the opposite direction, leads to destruction. But let's start first with our definition of humility. What is humility. Now, if you and I were to sit down right now and just, just throw some ideas out, we would start with, I think, some great definitions. We'd, we'd start with you know, having a correct view of ourselves. Right? We would say things like, humility is, 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 is not being overinflated in our own estimation of our gifts or, or our talents or our position or our looks. Humility maybe is about having an, a modest measured view of oneself. And those are correct definitions as far as they go, but they all start with us. uh, Ourselves. A view of ourselves. I want you to hear this proverb and ask yourself, where does it start? Humility is, are you ready for this? Humility is the fear of the Lord. 
Humility is the fear of the Lord. And before we go any further, because some of us are a little newer to the whole church thing, the Bible thing, and the word fear means run screaming from the room, right? But that's not what it means in this passage. The most common repeated commands for all scriptures: don't be afraid. When God shows up in the scene, he usually has to tell people, don't be afraid. I'm not here to crush you. I'm not here to smote you. Is that a word? Smite you. That's what we can feel when we think the word fear, but God shows up and says, don't be afraid. This fear of the Lord is about reverent awe. It's actually, this kind of fear is, can be brought up right close to the word trust. It's saying, I am in God's hands, but he is trustworthy, and he's good. So this is a reverent, awe-filled worship, knowing that this is a good God who is trustworthy. In that sense, the fear of the Lord has no fear in the negative so the humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages, get this, are riches and honor and life. It's alluding to that good life we're talking about. I was really stunned by this because, see what this says? In the Proverbs, according to the Proverbs, humility is not primarily rooted in how you view yourself. It's not, it's not about, necessarily, at the start, what you think. It doesn't start with us. Humility starts with getting God right. And only when we get God right can we get ourselves right. Does that make sense? This is so important. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to walk away. You can fall asleep after this, okay? Here it is. True humility doesn't direct our attention toward ourselves. True humility fills our vision with God. This is so critical. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Now, does this remind you of anything? Humility is the fear of the Lord. If you have been traveling through the summer, or you've taken up the Proverbs reading challenge, hey, we're on July 25th, what, what should we read today? Ah, excellent, Proverbs 25. So, we're reading through the Proverbs this summer. You've heard this theme repeated, but, but you might remember back at the start, Proverbs 1.7 is kind of like an overarching proverb for the whole collection. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Proverbs are all about how we can live this good life. And they're founded on this principle that in order to experience all that God has for us, we need to be in right relationship with God. That's this Fear of the Lord. So what's the connection with humility? I was really struck by this. Because you put these two Proverbs together, and what do you have? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, tracking with me? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and humility is the fear of the Lord, then humility is the only pathway to gaining wisdom. In other words, the only way that we can experience the good life is to follow this pathway of humility before God. Humility is the pathway to wisdom because without humility, you can't know God. And if you, if you don't know God, then you don't know what it means to be human, what it means to live the life that God has created us to live. And without this critical knowledge of God and, and, and what it means to be human, we can't live a life of wisdom. We can't experience the good life that God created us to live. And our key verse, which is in your bulletins, uh, we've been producing these each week as a little something you can stick on your dashboard or when you brush your teeth and reflect on that. Our key verse sums it up. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility 
comes wisdom. I don't like that. Do you? There's part of me that wants to say, no, no. I don't like that pathway. It's not a fun pathway, but it's the only pathway. Humility. Humility is embracing a vision of God that transforms our vision of ourselves. This vision of God puts our whole life, our gifts, our dreams, our desires, our our powers, our problems, and our struggles, it takes the whole thing and it puts it in the light of who God is, in light of His glory and His grace and His love. And humility then is less about who I am and it's more about who God is. Humility comes when I'm more attuned, more attentive to the character of God than I am to my own concerns. Humility, though, is not about groveling. It's not about being degraded. I think sometimes we think of that, right? I think because maybe because of association with humiliation, which can really be part of it. But, but humility isn't about groveling. It's not about being a worm. Humility, true humility, is about becoming truly human under God, grounded in His grace as a worshiping creature. Have you ever considered the, the link between the words humility and humanity? They're linked. And they're all linked to the word humus. It has to do with the ground, the soil, the dirt. And it, it alludes to the fact that in the Genesis, in one of the Genesis stories, we're told that God forms the body out of dirt, humus, and then he breathes into that humus, the spirit of God, and this dirt plus this spirit of God becomes a living soul, a human being. To be humble before God then, if you bring this all together, is to be fully grounded in our place as images of God. It's not a position of degradation. In fact, humility before God is the highest position in creation where we are imaging God's character and His grace and His love and His freedom. We're imaging that in all that we are, all that we say, all that we do. And you could say that, imaging God in all that we say and we do, His grace, His power, is the very definition of wisdom. A few more of the Proverbs on pride and humility. I thought I'd rattle a few off because I want us to hear how these themes emerge. Here's a few of them. I didn't write them on screen. Listen. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. The unplowed field of the wicked produces sin. How about this one? Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And then perhaps one of the most famous ones, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And the next verse after that says, Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. When you survey through the Proverbs on pride, 
it's like a bunch of warning signs saying, beware of this. Look at how destructive pride is. Look at what it does to people's lives. Look at what it does to their relationships. Look what it does to their work. Look at what it does to their friends. Look what, look what it does to their body. Look what it does to their bank account. Just watch and be warned. Pride destroys people. It destroys reputations. It leads to disgrace. It mocks the poor. And, and by mocking the poor, mocks God. It brings punishment. It produces sin. It fuels anger. And it fuels conflict. And I think that's why God hates pride so much. It's a repeated thing through the Proverbs that how much God hates pride. Because pride destroys people. Pride destroys relationship. Pride obscures people's ability to see properly. They can't see themselves well. They can't see others well. They can't see God well. I was thinking pride's kind of like that, that filthy window that you just can't get clean. It's like three drinks later after you should have stopped and feeling really fuzzy because you can't see straight. Well, that's what pride's like. Pride's like that fuel filter that is so gunked up that nothing good is getting through and the engine's being choked. Pride obscures it. It obscures life. We can't see pride. First of all, and I think this is the tragedy, pride obscures people's ability from seeing the God who loves them. That's tragic. That people can't experience the grace, the freedom, the power that, that can bring them to a new place of life, a new place of grace, a new place of freedom. The, the, the pride so obscures their vision that they, they can't see Jesus who is loving them and calling them, who has come and has, has lived the perfect life for them. They, they can't see that because they don't need Him, because they don't want to admit the need. Whatever it is, but it obscures their vision of God and His desire for them. It keeps men and women from all the goodness that God has for them. But, but pride does more than that, right? Pride obscures our vision for others. And it can result in abuse, oppression, destruction. So why does God hate pride? God hates pride because God loves people. That's where his hatred for pride comes from. He loves people. And pride debilitates people's ability to know him and to love others. And so there are times when God knocks down the, pride, the proud. I've been knocked down, have you? But I think what I've realized through this is that when God knocks down the proud, it isn't so he can just rub them in the dirt. That would be me and you. Because how dare they be better than me. Right? That's not God. There are times when God knocks us down, knocks people down, so that they can finally realize, they can finally see, so that the blinders can be taken off, and they can have a vision finally, maybe in the midst of their humiliation, in the midst of their difficulty, they can see that there is a God, that there is more to life, that they have been living destructively. They can begin to change. They can invite the Holy Spirit in and begin to experience this pathway of humility, which is the only pathway to true God knowledge. It's the only pathway to experiencing the good life. So how do we apply this today? I think it's actually a simple but difficult challenge. It's not a challenge that is new to us, but I was really struck this week as I reflected on this, that, that the application for us is that we've ne- we need to fix our full attention on Jesus. 
Because humility, growing in humility, is more about seeing this Jesus who is humility itself. Humble before God. To see Him. And to allow Him to fill our vision. I was struck by how there's an unselfconsciousness, you could say, about true humility. When you've met someone or interacted with someone who is truly humble, you realize they don't even realize they're humble, right? And that's the difficulty with humility because if you really work on becoming more humble, how will you recognize that you are? And at that point, are you then doomed because you realize, I feel pretty good about this. It's like the guy who got the humble pin, right? And got taken away from him because he wore it. Yeah, and so there's a there's something difficult here about growing in true humility. It's it's not it's it's not about focusing on ourselves. There's something unselfconscious about it. It's about coming to Jesus and letting the vision of who Jesus is fill our hearts and fill our minds, so that the greater God becomes in our lives, the more humble we become in life. And so the challenge is when we're tempted, when there's those moments where we want to look down on someone else, where we want to, we want to grab our bit, we want to, we want to cut someone. When there's, there's times in life when we say, you know what, it's my turn. It's my turn to get my bit. It's, it's, it's my turn to feel better. At those moments when we're tempted to look with disdain at someone or, or call up our rights, it's at that moment that we realize you know what, it's time to look away from myself. And it's time to ask Jesus to fill my vision with him. To fix my eyes and my heart on this Jesus who is humility itself. Demonstrated through his life and through his death and through his resurrection and ongoing work of his spirit in our lives that he who is humility himself has called us to follow him. And not even trying to be humble, but just trying to let him lead our lives. And that's when I think true humility happens. That as we come to Jesus, He lifts us up. He brings us down. Not to degrade us and not to elevate us, but to bring us into a place where we are in right relationship with Him, where we are rightly grounded as His images, where we can live and serve and be the people of God He's called us to be in the good life that He's given to us. I can't think of a better passage of Scripture to fit this than the one some of you are already thinking of. Philippians 2. We're coming to communion today and it's an opportunity to come to fix our eyes and to fix our attention on this Jesus who is so humble, who offers himself in humility to us today. And I want you to hear these words from Philippians 2 because it it directly connects to what we are reflecting on today in the Proverbs So it starts out in verse 3 of chapter 2 of Philippians, a little letter that Paul wrote. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So he's directing directing their attention toward this. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, 
He made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Jesus that we are called to let fill our vision. This is the Jesus who is welcoming us to the table today and saying you might be Stuck in pride. You might be stuck in the mud somewhere. You might be wrestling with who you are and what God is calling you to be. You might not even know what's going on. And in some respects at this point, it doesn't really matter. Because Jesus is saying, just come to me. Just fix your eyes on me. Turn your heart toward me. Open yourself up to me. And let me give to you all that you need. This is the pathway to true God knowledge, to true good life, the good life that God has given us. This is the pathway that he's fixed for us. But we don't have to work hard to somehow figure out the the formula. What we have to do is just come and receive what he has for us. So I'm going to pray. And then those who are going to come and lead today are going to come to the table. And we're going to have an opportunity to receive from Jesus what he has for us. Let's pray. Jesus, you, you, the humble one, came becoming one of us so that we could be restored to the place that you desired, to the, the place that you created us to be and to live and to experience. We thank you for your new creation life. And that we can come today humble before you and receive from you Life and freedom, forgiveness, humility. And so, Jesus, we come today thankful. We come today humble. We come today open to receive all that you have for us. Amen.